but I'm turning a corner this morning. I've got a new word the Lord has stirred in my heart. We're not sure how long it's going to go, but uh, I consider it to be um, what some people call a rhema, a word from God. I believe that when you hear it, that the Lord will confirm to your heart that it's a, it's a word from God to us individually, to us collectively as a church. And I also believe that it is a word for today in the most broad sense, in the most broad sense, a word for this hour. And it has to do with the fact that our God is a God of a quest. God, God is on a quest, and uh, God would invite us to join him on his quest. And that's what this whole message is about, is what is God ser searching for? What is God looking for? Uh, most of us, it never crosses our mind that God is looking for anything, that he's searching, that he's just completely fulfilled, um, has no needs, and somehow that translates into this miss, uh, this, this unfortunate idea that because God has no needs, he has no interests, he has nothing that he's looking for to fulfill within himself because he is self-fulfilled. But I want to challenge you this morning with this first of these messages about joining God's quest. And I want to take my text from Luke chapter 19, verse 10, very familiar verse, but slowly listen to these words, let them sink in. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I have come to seek, I am searching for those who are lost and to save them. Now the Old Testament, if we wanted to just quantify the Old Testament, we could just say the entire Old Testament was all about us discovering that we are sinners in need of a Savior. That really is pretty much the theme of the Old Testament. When Jesus arrives, when he comes into the world, when the great I Am of the Old Testament comes in, and takes human form, lives among us as the Savior, the entire theme changes. Not that we're not sinners, but the theme changes in that the New Testament is not about trying to convince us that we are sinners, but the New Testament, while it does maintain that we are sinners in need of a Savior, its theme rises. And the New Testament is about God entering the world on a quest to save lost sinners. And then, once saved, to recruit us and recruit our allegiance to his quest. That is the theme of the New Testament. To call us to salvation and then to get our allegiance to join him in his quest. So let me say this. When you follow Jesus, you're joining his quest for souls. When I first got saved after living uh, the years of my life up till that point as a, as a hard-hearted, just individualist, atheist, uh, uh, um, what struck me when I supernaturally met the Lord one night alone in, in my bedroom was that I instantly knew that coming into my heart, Jesus not only came and sent the Holy Spirit, but that I was instantly enlisted 
in his army on his quest to reach the lost. It just came with Jesus. In my mind, there was no separation between the Lord and the Lord's desire and quest for souls. So he says to Peter, don't worry about your imperfections. I've come to make you a fisher of men. And so when we join Jesus, we join his quest for souls, and he makes us fishers of men. Let me say this. <clears throat> God isn't calling us to be a people who say prayers. God is calling us to be a people who seek him. And there's a difference between saying prayers, being a prayer sayer, and being a seeker of God. Many people can say prayers for hours throughout their lifetime and never really be a seeker of God, just a prayer of prayers. And not only are we to be not just, seeker, not just seekers, but seekers of what God is seeking. And to do that, we must first realize that we're seeking a God who's searching for something. When you seek God, you're seeking a God who himself is on a search for something. And you'll be amazed at how much throughout the Old and the New Testament, God speaks in terms of his own searching, his own seeking, his own desire. So the best way to, to seek for God is to seek for what he's seeking after. So 1 Chronicles 28, 9 says, the Lord searches, there's that, that word about seeking, the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. What an amazing dynamic that God will let us find him. Because unless God lets us find him, we can't find him. We live in a dark and oppressive mist of blindness, of spiritual blindness. Unless the Lord reveals himself to us and opens our eyes, we can't know him. So listen to what he says. If you seek me, I will let you find me. It's amazing to me because God wants to be discovered. God isn't hiding out out of insecurity. He wants to be found. And <clears throat> the quickest way to find God is to seek what he's searching for. I want you to take that statement and just try to put it right in the center of your mind and set it there on the table in front of you and look at it. The quickest way to find God is to search for what he is searching for. We are joining a God who is on a search. Everyone, everyone who truly knows God learns by seeking what God seeks. Every time I've ever met a Christian who really knows God, I've, I also realize I've met a person who himself is on a constant quest or herself is, is constantly searching. They're never stagnant. They're never just sitting there in churchianity going through prayers. They're always questing for what interests and concerns God.
Now, Psalm 103, verse 7, is, in my estimation, one of the most pivotal and revealing scriptures in the Bible. You've probably heard it. It goes something like this. God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. God made known his ways to Moses, but the people of Israel only saw the acts of God. They saw the fiery judgments. They saw the amazing deliverances. They saw what God could do. But God took Moses behind the scenes, and he made known his ways. He revealed to Moses the why and the how behind the acts of God that the people of Israel saw. People who don't seek what God seeks, they only know his acts. Jesus' great criticism of the multitudes that followed him was this. It says in John chapter 6, 26, when the people came looking for Jesus, he replied, I tell you the solemn truth. You are looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you all ate the loaves and the bread that you wanted. That's an amazing indictment, but if you could get beyond the criticism and the indictment, there's an absolutely essential principle. And that is, Jesus is looking for people who are more interested in what he's interested in than what he can do for them. And unfortunately, a lot of people, once their zeal wears off, they simmer down into a church mentality and their relationship with God becomes based simply on from day to day or week to week their needs and what God can do to meet their needs. And so they, they slip into that same mode that Israel was in. Their, their relationship with God is simply about his acts, about what he can do. But Jesus... I don't believe he was exasperated, but at times I know he was disappointed when people were following him and he knew that all they were interested in was getting their immediate needs met. He was looking for people who saw the miracles and understood what they meant. When they saw the miracles, they said, wait a minute, nobody in history has ever done this. What's going on here? This is God. What does God want? What makes God motivate himself? In other words, they, they didn't look at the miracles and wonder beyond just the getting their needs met. And so that was Jesus' great criticism of the multitudes that followed him and how easily they were separated from him at Calvary's cross. Now, don't get me wrong, God is very merciful and he truly loves all of us. He will meet our needs, and he will heal and deliver and show signs and wonders and, and great and wonderful things. But why? Why does he do that? And of course, the me-centered answer is, he loves me, and there's nothing wrong with that. I probably spend more time than anything else hammering that point out for, for Christians and for people that he loves me, assuring but one of the things our world is, on, is broken, horribly broken, is this pathetic 
pitiful overindulgence in the search and the need for approval. And people have, have gone from focusing on the major issues of life to becoming ingrown and driven by that one motivation. Does I, people have to love me. People have to care about me. People have to listen to me. They go berserk on Facebook if someone disagrees with them. If, if people have a different view, they have to join a group that, that can help arm them so that they can destroy and cancel whoever disagrees with them. People have even changed the way they talk. Have you noticed? It, you, you hear it not just among women and girls, but boys and young men. Everybody talks with the tone of a question. Have you heard, have you noticed past several years, everyone talks like, you know, they're asking a question. Why? Because they're looking for approval. Nobody's got security. Everyone's, everyone's fragile. They all put that up sweep at the end of their sentences and they're looking for approval. And, and you know, they, they'll state things, but it's like a question. Like, do you agree with what I'm saying? Can you imagine Jesus speaking like that? Speaking the truths of life and then ending those sentences with those silly, ridiculous, upswept phrases? Why do people do that? Well, we can analyze that, and I'm sure a lot of people have tried to analyze it, but honestly, I believe at the root of it are people that are so absorbed in whether they're accepted by others that even their tone of voice reflects a lack of authority, a lack of confidence, a lack of being settled in some kind of definitive foundation of truth. And so Jesus said, why aren't more people interested in what I'm interested in? It's because they're too interested in what they're interested in. And so I don't mean to, to minimize the fact that he loves us and wants to meet our needs, but surely there's something beyond that. Praise the Lord. And so God is on a quest. Jesus is looking for people who are more interested in what he's interested in than what he can do for them. The plain unvarnished fact is that, that Israel knew God's acts only because their relationship with God was based only on just saying prayers to him. But Moses knew God's ways because he sought God for what God wanted, not for what God could do for him. In fact, when God introduced himself to Moses, right from the very first sentences of the conversation, God said, I have seen my people. I'm concerned for them. I love them. I want to deliver them. The first thing God did was to express what he was interested in, and Moses grabbed that. And when God called Moses, he called him to the quest that God himself was on. I'm on a quest to find and to deliver my people from the bondage of the enemy. And so you see, Moses' life was a powerful life. And throughout his whole life, he went through hardships. He went through, but never once was Moses whining about his own condition and his own situation. He was always interceding for what God was doing 
with the people out there, with others, because he was interested in God's quest, not in his own life. Wow, it's kind of quiet in here. I, I don't know, I was really excited when I was uh, reaching this, preaching this stuff to myself, praise God. So um, people who want what God wants will always be his flames of light in the world. In Matthew 5 and 16, Jesus said, let your light shine before people. See, my light isn't shining so that I can feel warm, so that I can feel significant. My light is shining so other people can see Jesus and call upon him and be saved. That's why my light is shining. My light is not shining so when I look in the mirror, I can say, oh, my life does have value. Oh, I am doing something important. You see, don't get me wrong. I'm avoiding saying your life being valuable, you having a sense of significance is irrelevant because that would be wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that is not why we follow Jesus. I think we use the term follow Jesus, but we don't follow him. What we really mean is, I've received Jesus, and it has stopped there. Receiving and following are not the same. If you're following Jesus, then you are a fisher of men, and you get up every day concerned about what God is concerned about, and that is lost souls. So Moses knows the ways of God because he seeks God for what God wants. And like I said, people like that will always be his light of flames in the world. And Jesus said, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good works and give honor to your Father in heaven. So God's purpose for you is that your light shine so that others can come to know him. That's foremost in God's mind. Now I want to give you one of those $25 statements. And here it goes. You won't understand what God wants for you until you first seek what he wants for himself. Amen. Say it again? Okay. You won't understand what God wants for you until you are first seeking what he wants for himself. Many people who want to know what is my life, what is my purpose, your best life now, how many books, how many seminars, conferences, how much ink has been invested, uh, how much uh, conversation and dialogue and teaching to, to guide people to find their meaning, to find their purpose. A man once said, when I was a younger Christian back in the 1970s in the Jesus, radical Jesus movement, he said, let me help all of you guys. Because back then, everyone was trying to find themselves. It's no different than today. But all the hippies were looking to find themselves. And so they were all going to California to find themselves. And although we didn't leave Florida, did we, hon? We knew that whatever is important is right here in the free state of Florida. Praise God. Amen. 
So everyone was going to California. When they didn't find what they were looking for, they went to Hawaii. That was kind of the end of the world. That was as far as it went. Um, so uh, there was this, uh, a teacher, a preacher, who said to us back then, let me, let me help you. Let me make this simple for you. Let me tell you what you are. And everybody's ears perked up. He said, you are an onion. I said, oh, man. I was, I was hoping for something a little, you're an onion. He said, you're a ball of layers. And if you live your life trying to peel all those layers off to find your inner core, when you finally get to the last layer, you're going to find out that you are nothing but layers wrapped around nothing. You ever, do you ever get to the nut of an onion? No, there's no nut to an onion. It's nothing but layers. So forget about all this needing to strip off all the familial and culturally imposed layers and what all everybody layered over your life and I've got to get down to the real me. If you're a Christian, Jesus has already saved the real you. You don't have to worry about it. Take your layers and go join his quest. Let God worry about the layers of your life. But people who are constantly peeling eventually come to nothing. It's a very disappointing search. So let me just say to you, you're not going to understand what God wants for you by focusing on you. You're going to only begin to understand what God wants for you when you start searching what he wants for himself. Do you know what God's interested in? When's the last time you asked yourself that question? Do you consider that God even has interests, that God has desires? God, let me tell you what his primary desire is. Apparently from what the scripture says, if we did a personality makeup of Jesus, and Jesus is God, he is the perfect revelation of God, there's no use trying to learn something about God that Jesus doesn't show you, because he is, Hebrews says, the exact image of the Father. He is the perfect expression. He is the Word made flesh. So you do a character makeup, a, a analysis of Jesus, and what I find when I study all the things that Jesus said he wanted, all the things that seem to be interested to him, is that God desires the souls that he loves that don't yet know him. When he came into the world, he said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. That was his mission statement. It is his mission statement today. If we knew what God loves, if we knew what he wanted, what he desires, we'd be going out and bringing them to him. But if my focus, let me use myself, if my focus is limited to his love for me, then I won't be able to get past myself enough to be motivated by his love for the lost. God's love for the lost is always the victim in Christians' lives. Always the victim. It's the can that gets kicked so far down the road that the lost stay lost, church stays where it's at, and the lost stay where they're at. And oftentimes, we don't get new members until we so distill Jesus down to a cultural icon, lower the threshold standard of coming to Jesus through the cross, 
as a sinner that needs to be saved, and joining forces with the culture of the world around us so that we act, smell, look, and sound like the world, and then we attract tons of people through the doors of our churches because, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is really cool. And they have an emotional experience and they feel good and, um, you know, they don't have to pay for it, you know. So, um, but the fact, the fact is, the fact is, if we stop being interested in what God's interested in, and we're only interested in ourselves, then we have turned our churches into a tomb. We've turned them into a rest home. We've, we've turned them into a prison. And nobody who's unsafe wants to come into a prison or a tomb. And so if we knew what God loved and what he desired, we'd be out there getting what he wanted, what he loved. And that is we'd be motivated by his love for the lost. Ezekiel has a tremendous statement. He says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Say, how, how much more convincing do you need this to be? To know that God is on a search. He is searching for his sheep. That's what he's looking for. But we treat God as though the only thing on his mind is to search for that latest need that I've put before him that I have. I don't want to discourage anybody uh, to pray for your needs. But if you put the kingdom first, my Bible says, out of the words of the Savior, if you put the kingdom first, the kingdom is the pursuit of souls. That is the kingdom. If you put the kingdom first, God already knows what you need. This is why... There is so much prayer, so much, so many books written about how to get your needs met, and you know whether it's healing or mental or emotional, physical, whatever it is. But our, our relationship with God is based on a God who's just simply standing like a butler um, with a tray at waiting to find out what it is you want, what it is you need, and that's what God's interested in. But that's not what the Word says. God said, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. God's busy searching for the people he loves that have not come to him. You know, many Christians wonder why God's power, where is it today? Where is the power? Where's the book of Acts? Where's the supernatural power of God? other than a little sprinkling that we experience from time to time. Where did that power go? We haven't seen it in the churches for years. Where is it? But Christians who follow Jesus in his quest for souls discover that there's a tremendous current of Holy Ghost power flowing through the world like a rushing river. It's never left. It's here, and God is moving. Since Pentecost, that river has never stopped flowing, but it flows through Jesus' love for souls. It flows there through his quest. The anointing was sent to empower Jesus' quest, his quest for the lost, his quest for souls. And it has bypassed the religious empires of churchianity. But it follows in support of Christians who have joined Jesus in his search for the lost. Remember that Jesus said, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, what was the Lord's answer? Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. Now, let me ask a question that should be asked when we're faced with, with that. Why, do, why is God combing through the churches, combing through the hearts of believers, trying to get people who will pray that God will send laborers into the harvest? He's God. He's got a countless number of angels at his disposal. And he's got a handful of tired workers upon the earth. So, so why is God asking us to pray for him to send laborers? Well, I wouldn't ask that question rhetorically because I actually brought an answer with me this morning. Praise the Lord. It's because most Christians don't realize that God wants them to go out and work a day in his field. What do you think Jesus was talking about when he said, a man had two sons, and he said, go out and work a day in my field. And the son said, oh yeah, I will. Hallelujah. But he didn't do it. And then he said to the second son, go out and work a day in my field. He said, no man, I got other things to do. But afterwards he repented and he got interested in what his father was interested in. He went out and did it. Jesus said, which one did the will of God? Not the one who was in church running around saying, oh, praise God, singing songs about everything they do that they really don't do. But the one that wasn't running around singing the songs said, I'm not interested in that, but then went out and did it. He said, that's the one who did the will of God. So why did Jesus say, I want you to pray for laborers? Well, here's why. He said it because... We must pray for the laborers until it dawns on us that we are those laborers God is searching for. So I'm asking you, starting this week, to begin to pray that God will send laborers out into the harvest field. And the more you do it, if you don't let up, eventually the Holy Spirit's going to knock on your door and you're going to get the revelation. I'm that laborer. I'm that labor. I'm the one that God wants me to tell other people about Jesus. He doesn't want me just praying that someone else will tell other people about Jesus. He wants me to pray that I'll become a laborer. See, Jesus, he's clever. He works that way. He knows that if you'll pray for that, that, that dawning. Let me close and, and close with this thought. The true followers of Jesus are all questers. I've never met a true follower of Jesus that was not a quester, someone who was on a quest. And they're not just, they're not on their own quest. They are very serious about Jesus' quest. That's where their, their understanding of what their quest comes from. They found out that Jesus came to seek and save if it's lost. So every family member, everyone they know, every in-law, every outlaw, Every person they bump into, they're always thinking, can I talk to this person about Jesus? Can I share the gospel with this person? Now, I am woefully guilty of not doing that. And I'm so sick of feeling the conviction when I turn and walk away from an encounter, a conversation, and I blew an opportunity to say something about Jesus. Because... As I walk away, it dawns on me, I get that prickly, sick feeling down in my stomach that everything else I'm doing is meaningless if I don't do that. That's it. 
that's Jesus' question. You know, we cannot overcomplicate it. There are stacks and volumes and miles and miles and tons and tons of messages and teachings all about polishing the church silver, all about making us brighter, all about helping us to say prayers and all the other things and be spiritual. There's not very much said about that because what can you say? Just go and tell them about Jesus. Just go do it. But it's the one thing we do the least. It's the one thing we focus on the least. What God cares about the most, we care about the least. And I don't want to say that what we care about the most, God cares about the least because it's the one thing about God that sets him apart from being human is that his love is perfect. He can absolutely be focused on the loss and absolutely it doesn't rob or diminish his desire to bless or help us. That's why he, he's so good to us. He keeps feeding us. He keeps nurturing us. Here we are. Uh, you know, we're old, but we're still in the crib. We're still in the crib we got born in. And there we are, six foot two. At this point, you know, when you're first born, you're just all and it's just soft and smooth and everything. Now everything from head to toe is covered with hair. The hair's falling off your head, but your, but your shoulders are full of it. And you don't have those clear little nice little toes with the cute little fingernails. Now they're just, they're like bear claws, <laughs> yellow. And, and there you are in your crib, big Christian, been in there how many decades, but God's so good. Jesus is still there giving you the baba. <laughs> cleaning your binky, your blankie, and, you know, answering prayers and everything. But oh, how he wishes you would get the heck out of that crib and go do what Jesus is doing. You would be so happy. You would be so excited. You would find that power that you've been moaning about and, and, and complaining, saying, it's not here. The, where there's no, we need a revival. You don't need a revival. The revival's flowing in Jesus' quest. Just go get in it. That's where the revival is. And we could just sit here till we die. But God's not going to change his agenda. That is his agenda. That's where his power is flowing. Hallelujah. The true followers of Jesus are all questers. So here's my altar call for us this morning. If you've been wandering in the, in the weeds, trying to locate your purpose and, and recapture your power, today is the perfect day to rejoin Jesus' quest for souls and rediscover your joy. It's that simple. That's our altar call this morning. That's all I'm going to pray for this morning is that we would rejoin Jesus' quest, that we would make it the thing we pursue. I believe everything else will fall in line. You'll find the power. You'll recapture the joy. Oh, it'll be awesome. Praise the Lord. And as you run after those souls, you say, I'm not an evangelist. You are a human. You are a person who is saved. 
And Jesus said, you freely received, freely give. Jesus said, you got a light, let it shine so others can see that light and come and find me. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I'd like you all to stand with me because we're all going to pray this. I don't, um, I, I do not see exceptions to this message in the scriptures. I don't see where someone says, oh, I'm called to be a prophet. This is, this is not my calling. Oh, I'm called to be a deacon. Oh, I, I labor in the Sunday school. I don't care where you labor, wherever you go. In fact, your ministry doesn't start usually until you're out this door. And you're in the Isle of Publix tomorrow. Getting your groceries. That's when you're in the ministry. That's where your calling is. So uh, let us pray that God will inspire and stir our desire and, and remind us, no matter how scared you are, how, how much you think I, I can't explain things, you don't have to explain things to people. Holy Ghost will explain things. Just tell them Jesus is Lord. Ask him, are you a Christian? Start there, are you a Christian? Oh, are you a Christian? And let, you know, many of them will say yes, but they're not born again. And you say, well, are you, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, my mom, my dad, they'll start there. And, and then you can tell them, yeah, but are you born again? Are you born, have you received Jesus? Oh, I didn't know that you could do that. Sure, you. See, it's so easy when you just break the inertia. Just tell them. So I'm going to pray that I believe that I believe that's the rhema for this church. I really do. I believe everything else will manifest out of that. So this is my first message about God's quest because I think this is at the head of the line. And there's some other things we'll get into those next week. But they all flow around that one quest. So if you would, just close your eyes and let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to stir that questing spirit called the Holy Spirit within us for the lost.